Hey, you're checking out our top 10 most downloaded episodes of 2021. And coming in at number nine is Sean Castrina, where we talked about some of the most important rules for business startup success. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, you're going to love the insights in this episode. I'll let it speak for itself and also stay tuned for more of our top 10 episodes in the coming days. Enjoy. Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Sean Castrina, who I can only describe as an entrepreneurial mogul expert. This guy runs businesses in his own right. In fact, he just paid for not one, but two Super Bowl ads for businesses that he himself owns. He absolutely loves business. If you've been looking to jump into the entrepreneurial space, or maybe you've been looking to figure out how do you actually grow your business in this upcoming year, you absolutely want to check out this episode. You also need to go check out his book, Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. You can actually get a free copy at seancastrina.com. Hey, enjoy this episode. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Man, I'm excited for today's episode. Sitting down with Sean Castrina, who's joining us today to talk about business entrepreneurship. Now, he really needs no introduction. He has a pretty incredible bio of his own. If you haven't checked out his podcast, the 10-Minute Entrepreneur Podcast, you need to look at it now. He's been featured on Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, MSNBC. He is a pivotal business leader in today's economy. You're going to love today's episode Sean, thank you for joining today. No, glad to be here. How's your day going? You know, busy, very, very busy, but that's good. And you know, it's, I feel like there's busy and then there's, now there's like the new level of busy where it's like being busy during COVID, which has all sorts of different, um, uh, just challenges in and of itself. So how are you hanging with this pandemic? We're fine. You know, we just gotta, you know, just gotta do things a little bit differently and and be creative, but at the you know and barring that you're not a gym or a restaurant you just got to figure out ways to do things a little bit differently well sean i had a i had someone who was talking to me about they're starting a business and they reached out probably last week and they're looking for some advice and i said well what's the business you're starting and they said it's a restaurant and i was like man you've really chosen you really want to make things harder than maybe it has to be i guess so you've started any number of businesses obviously you understand the business world really well um there are so many challenges with covid right now what does an entrepreneur need to be thinking right now in terms of you know getting to profitability, getting to success? Um, what does it look yeah, like for the new I, business owner? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you have to just look at things differently. I mean, this sounds, I don't know, maybe this is negative, but I think if something like this has happened, sadly, maybe there's bad people in the world that have gotten a blueprint for how you can shut down a global economy. Hmm. I mean, does that sound really, you know what I'm saying? If you really think about it, if this virus came you know, out of a, a, you know, a wet market. Just think of the logic there. I'd have to think, sadly, I'd hate to think this, but it's possible that something of this nature, 
this may not be the only time something like this happens. And I think just like 2008, you know, when you go through a global markdown and we look at meltdown and then we look at, you know, when 9-11 happened, thank God that's never happening again. But in your subconscious, yeah. you, you, you do things differently. And I think a business owner has to, with all that, and I'm the most optimistic guy in the world, but I think you have to go forward with the idea that you better have a business that's nimble. Yeah, I, that if if for you know some reason like something like this happened three years from now or something of that nature, and trust me, our governments would be planning. You know that everybody's thinking like, okay, how would we respond? Knowing what I now know, and I think business owners have to think the same way. Like you were talking about a restaurant owner. Like if I'm a restaurant owner and I'm starting a restaurant in 2020, well, number one is I'm looking at outside seating. I'm looking at delivering meals. Mm. I'm looking at how quickly, you know, could I do some tables with plexiglass and I would probably have something like that on in the, you know, on reserve. I mean, that's that sound, you know, but you just have to think like that. You have to think like, okay, I got regular customers that come in. Why don't I get them on meal plans? Like you love eating at my restaurant. Great. We'll deliver. How about we deliver two meals a week to your house? Just think it. Or I would think more on like, um, you know, um, tr- where the, the, the trucks, the food trucks. Like, you know, the virus didn't shut them down. So doing, it's funny, I interviewed a guy on my podcast just a couple hours ago, um, the co-founder of, um, which, oh, Cousins Maine Lobster, and they have like all the food trucks and they were on Shark Tank. And like, obviously the virus didn't have a tremendous effect on them because people just, you know, they can pre-order, they pick it up from the truck and they're out of there, but they don't have seating anyway. So, you know, you're going to have to do business a little differently. I guess that's my point. So, you know, first of all, great insights, you know, and I I love that you've honed in on this concept of agility and innovating. And I also love your point that, you know, while we hope there won't be another global pandemic anywhere near in the future, things like this, you know, you referenced the 2008 economy crash, things like this aren't totally unprecedented in terms of impacts on businesses. And then you, you, you gave a couple of really great tangible ways for like a restaurant owner to actually practically implement that agility. Whenever we talk about these things, it makes a lot of sense to talk about. It's like, okay, yeah, do the meal plan. Okay, yeah, think about how to do delivery. Why is it that the everyday business owner seems to be, I don't know if slow is the right word, or hesitant or resistant to sort of break out of the traditional mold and be innovative and be agile? Um, another example that might help with this question. Change is, change is, change is uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, people to change, to make a change, it costs money. It may admit what you've been doing doesn't work and it just makes people uncomfortable. How often in your, you know, with, cause you obviously you counsel a lot of different business owners. How often do you have to help a business owner um, shift their thinking from, and I'm not even talking about like growth mindset. I'm talking about someone who doesn't realize that they're, they have their own biases, their own blind spots. Perfect example in today's COVID economy. Um, the business owner who says something like, well, remote work never works. You know, employees can't work from home. They can't be trusted from home. And now suddenly we're in an economy where that is a, a pretty heavy norm now. How do you help business owners change their thinking and be willing to even indulge in some of these new ideas? What I tell business owners, which is, which is so critical, is that you have to assume every single year that you can go out of business. And what I mean is, is that I go through a war game scenario. 
at the end of every year, you know, and obviously I never factored in a virus before, but it's something that you have to factor in going forward that, you know, thing you could, you know, something like this could happen. But I, I've always looked at, okay, what would, what could put us out of business? Like what type of competition would really make a major dent in our, you know, our marketplace? Um, what, what if the industry changed? Like what industry change would really put us on our heels? What do we see happening in the future that makes us uncomfortable that we better get ahead of the curve on? You know, the example of that is Blockbuster Video. Okay. Whoever was on their board was the most incompetent human beings on the planet. If they didn't see these little red boxes outside of every grocery store, where you could get 80% of the movies that typically get rented, new releases, on your way out for a dollar. And then you, you, know, you watch Netflix where you can stream a movie and they still felt like a brick and mortar was the concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, that, not, not a great, somebody didn't pick up on all, all the signs. <laughs> but but how, do you, how do you have such a, like how does the everyday business owner have an honest perspective? Because we're talking about ego a little bit. Yeah. Because I mean, we, you talk to business owners like this and typically the response I hear is, oh, well, that wouldn't be us. That wouldn't happen to yeah, us. Well, then, then I would say, to, yeah, then I say, okay, Circuit City, um, you know, Countrywide Mortgage. I mean, we can keep going down the, the line of, I mean, J. Cruz in bankruptcy. I mean, we, this is what I would say, people a lot smarter than you are not around. You know, if you look, I mean, I, I forgot the number. I thought it was like, oh, it's some crazy number, but I looked at it like Fortune 500 companies that no longer exist 50 years later. And it was like, I think it's like 11% are around. Mm. You know, I could be, you know, I don't know the exact, but it was a shocking statistic. Yeah. That, well, yeah. So you I, better, you better adapt. You better, I always say you better change before you have to. No, that's good advice. And I, I think that um, aggressiveness, or I guess that openness to being willing to change is very valuable in today's entrepreneur. Um, I want to talk about how you got started. I know one of your first businesses was Waxmaster, uh, a startup. Too, this is too funny. No, you're going to laugh at this. That's company, Twenty. I sold it 21 years ago. This is incredible. I called them today to schedule a detailing on my vehicle. They're coming on Wednesday. And I, it's funny. I, I, it's too funny. I literally went in the phone book and called them 21 years later. And I was talking to the girl on the phone and I mentioned the guy's name who owned it. And, and, and I'm like, I, you, you may not know this, but I'm the person who actually sold him that business. <laughs> you know, it was just too funny. And they got all brand new vans and I was online kind of looking at it. Yeah. My first business was an auto detailing company where I made $35,000 doing nothing a year just making the phone ring and creating up the system where you called in, we gave you the price over the phone, scheduled your vehicle to be detailed. Somebody went out and did it. I did a 50-50 split with him and you know, I made 35,000 bucks by accident. Yeah, well, I think what I like about your bio, it feels like whenever I have someone on the show who, you know, they have this very extensive bio, they have all these accolades, and then you see like this little nugget. In, in your case, it's Waxmaster. You see this little nugget yeah. of where someone started something that, uh, relatively small, maybe inconspicuous. And it was sort of like the, the, the start of like the engine. Oh, but, yeah, but it definitely today, did. Made me understand that you could make money. I understood service companies only require two things. And that's why I've stayed in that lane. They, all you have to do is A, be able to make the phone ring, create interest, however you do that, online, whatever you do. All you have to do is create an interest in your service, be able to hire someone at a price where there's a margin. Mm. I mean, that's it. You only have to do two things. You got to yeah. market it in such a way that you can get price A, hire somebody at price B that can deliver that service to the, you know, to the expectation of the customer 
all you have to, you do those two things like retail, you got to have retail space, you got to have inventory <laughs> online, you got to have programmers or this and that. A lot of different components. Service companies, which most robots can't do. A robot's not going to come to your house, drive to your house, knock on your door, tell you you need your gutters cleaned, go up two floors, clean the gutters, take out the hose, clean out your downspouts. You know, mm. That's just one little example. Well, um, it, it feels a little bit like today's entrepreneur, like when I, when I hear that story from you, I think about, okay, that's, that's like the authentic entrepreneurial experience. That's like the authentic starting a business experience. And it feels like people today, and I don't know if you've, if you felt this way too, but social media has sort of morphed the conversation into a lot of people don't want to start sort of like the nitty gritty hard work business. It almost feels like there's this massive wave of everyone wants to be a digital marketer. Everyone wants to go from zero to seven figures and nobody has paid because it's crap. It's a big fact because all we see in Instagram is I did this from six to seven years. I want to see where the guy was five years ago and I want to see where he is five years from now because it's a lot of it is crap. It's scams. It's when, when I look at these are the two things where I, where my ears perk up. Number one is if they wrote a book and that's all they've done. So they wrote a book and then it becomes a business and or a course. If you look at the guys who are really good and I've been around a few of these guys, they have businesses where their income comes from actual businesses. Now they're online and they have, you know, like a, like a, you know, like a, what you brought an Andy Frisella, but he's got a gazillion dollar company. Okay. Bradley, I've been to Las Vegas. He's got a real life company. His business is in a beautiful office park. I, you know, I saw employees everywhere. I, they were producing something. I get a little, when people, when their whole business is a built a book that became a business and or they had an idea and now it's a course, but you can't go physically see anything. Mm. I get nervous. Mm. You know, I like to know, are you employing people? What do your tax returns look like? In other words, you know, I can pull my tax return up and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it's a seven-figure tax return. These people, you know, in other words, they, they tease you with stuff, but they're not, I just don't find them to be valid. I don't find people that made money in like a three-year time frame. Mm-hmm. They make me nervous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, yeah. it's like people who tell the very end of the story and they don't mention yeah. like, you know, the 10 years of slaving away. What, what, what encouragement do you have though for like the new business owner who maybe, because I, I, I talk to a lot of different people who, first of all, just running a business is exhausting in and of itself. But I feel like with this digital age, you talk to business owners who are seeing this peppered on social media constantly. And so they think, well, geez, I'm only in year two of my business. I don't have seven. I'm, I must be totally just defunct as a business owner. Well, uh, How do you encourage people in that space? I, I think that don't focus on the money. Focus on are you building a real sustainable business? The money will take care of itself. If you chase the money, you're going to have problems. Money comes last. I've always found money is the last thing that happens in the journey. Mm. So do you have a product and or service that your customers absolutely love and are chasing you down for? If you don't have that, you're not going to be around. So that that's the bigger, the money will always come. If you provide a great product or service to somebody, somebody will always pay for it. You will make money. That will be the easiest part of the equation. But the smoke and mirrors, like I'm always nervous. If everything somebody's selling is like on, on a social media thing and they got to kind of dress up and do their little poses. I'm always a little nervous when all I ever hear, 50% of what comes out of their mouth is mindset. 
Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? You can meditate. You can meditate all you want. You can think about a good idea all you want. If your ass doesn't take focus, relentless pursuit of a good idea, it doesn't matter. I love these people. Hard work. You just mindset, hard work. Guess what? Hard work doesn't work in this situation. You can, again, hard work going in the wrong direction. You're still going in the wrong direction. Hard work on a bad idea is still a bad idea. Mm. So you still got to have a good idea, a profitable idea where you have a wanting marketplace for what you have and where there's good margins. And then you got to relentlessly pursue it. And then five or 10 years down the road, you start making, you know, I mean, even with <laughs> Facebook and all of them, even these, I mean, it took years. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a guy who's out of Beverly, Hill, Beverly Hills, um, incredible dental practice. And again, looking at his bio, you would think he was an overnight success. And he was like, Blake, it took me 10 years, like yeah. literally 10 years of booking clients, trying to get people in here. And I, I guess today's, you know, entrepreneurial mindset, we don't always we just don't always think of the long-term journey. Um, so I, I think your advice is refreshing for the new business owner. I want to ask you something you just mentioned about, you know, really honing in on that good idea and throwing everything at it. How does the new business owner, because you've probably heard this before, like the yeah. business owner comes to you and they're like, oh, I have the best idea. This is like, this is oh, literally- I, I literally get five of those a day on Instagram. This is the golden goose, right? And yeah. then you hear it and you're like, okay, that's, man, I don't know about that. But they, they're so wrapped up into it. There's no uh, objectivity. There's no honesty. They're like, well, my mom really loves it. You know? Yeah, I, well, I always, that's what the problem is. What you're talking about is the one, I always say there's a Bermuda's, Brian, a Bermuda's, uh, let me say this again. The startup founder, there's like a Bermuda triangle. And this is what kills, kills them. The first one is they fall so in love with their idea that they don't expose it to true criticism. And, it's powerful, and, yeah. Right, and they, they just tell it to people that like them or they frame it in such a way that, hey, Sean, what do you think about this idea? I'm so excited about it. What do you say to the poor guy? No, I think it sucks. <laughs> you know, so you got to test, test your idea to the true marketplace, to your target customers. You need to you know, test it in small samples. You need to get actual feedback from people that are going to be buying your product, not your friends and family. I mean, they're the, they're the least helpful in this whole process. And it, it almost feels like, and I guess to be an entrepreneur, you really have to have that, that mental toughness to get your idea shot down. Because I think what you said is exactly right. People who go from parent to best friend to whoever, uh, or they ask you what you think and you say, man, I don't know about that. And they're like, well, you just don't get it. And they go, you know, they go to the next person who's going to basically affirm what they're thinking of. I think it's hard for someone to train themselves to seek out that criticism, that objectivity, but it's powerful when you do, Right. Uh, no, absolutely. I just think it, if your idea can't survive criticism, the marketplace will destroy it. Mm. it it's the idea, like you want to go have a boxing match, but you're not willing to spar. <laughs> I'd say if you can't make it through some sparring partners, you probably have no business in the ring. So it, the idea is you got to expose your business to, you know, a business plan. I, you know, I, I wrote, you know, the book called The World's Greatest Business Plan. And it's simple, but because I found that people just didn't want to ask the painful questions. They didn't want to vet their idea and test it. And then the problem is they jump in with both feet and then the idea fails. They end up losing way more money than they should have. And, or they quit their job and do something really stupid like that. I'm not a big fan of quitting your job to start a business. I think you got to test it first. Mm -hmm. Make sure you got something that's breathing. Then you can do it, but you're talking it about breathing. real. You're talking about real work. You're not. You're talking about yeah. almost sort of peeling back the, um, 
the sexiness that people get jazzed around with entrepreneurship and business ownership. You know, I'm going to quit my job and just throw everything I have into this. And it's a terrible idea. Terrible. Idea. You know, I, I love what you're talking about. It's, it's, I think anytime we, we really hone in on the real actionable work, even though that journey isn't as maybe as exciting as what we see on social media, it feels like the return on it is usually much higher than, you know, this jazzy snazzy, you know, I quit my job, you know, it's awesome thing. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's it's an interesting world. Quitting your job is a fool's game. There's a hundred hour, you know, you have 168 hour week. Is 40 really going to be the difference maker in you, you know, succeeding or failing in that startup? No, you can do two things at once. You can structure your day different. It'll force you to make a better hire early. That's why I think if you, assuming you have a decent job, listen, if you live on your parents, you know, you live on your buddy's, you know, floor, or you live in your parents' basement, <laughs> disregard everything I'm saying. But this is the statistics that people keep leaving out. Only 3% of businesses are started by people under the age of 30. Hmm. Only 3%. People over the age of 70 start businesses at the same level, 3%. So most people are starting a business between 30 and 55. Most people from 30 to 55 typically have some financial obligations or commitments they've made. And you, quitting your job is just not always a luxury you have. Yeah. You might have to you know, you know, suck it up, buttercup, for about six months and get, <laughs> get, some, get some revenue in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I want to ask you one more question because yeah. um, you just mentioned making that really good hire. I know another challenge for the new business owner or maybe the business owner who they haven't grown significantly in a while, they want to make that first hire or maybe that second hire. How does the business owner make that hire really well, really strong uh, in a way that it, it continues to help to scale the business? Well, it's simple. It, and I joke about it. It's like one plus one equals done in a startup. You're one. What is the one hire that's going to move the needle the most? It's typically in sales, operations, somebody who can keep everything, you know, making sure the customer is getting what they expect, you know, the delivery of that product, overseeing that. But it's got to be a hire in one of those critical, pivotal, domino moving hires. Again, sales is typically it. Somebody who can sell your product, somebody who can help deliver your product, create your product. Um, it's got to be an MVP hire. Mm. It's like you don't have a – if your football team doesn't have a quarterback, I'm, I'm a Washington Redskins fan, so I live this agony. Yeah, it's a tough team. It right doesn't now. matter. It doesn't matter who you have. You, if you look at the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, you know that eight of them will probably be – there will be seven of them in the playoffs. You know, and one right. may not make it, but statistically it's going to be your best-tiered quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in business. If you don't, if you don't have talent – and that's the critical hires. Sales is a critical hire. You know, operations is a critical hire. If you don't make those two hires and they're not critical, you know, uh, you're in trouble. How, so. often, how often do you see that hire being related to what you're willing to pay? Because I know a lot of business yeah. owners, they're, I mean, I talked to one lady who she asked how she could, is there a way she could get around minimum wage and pay less than minimum wage? Yeah, go Which to jail. Like, yeah, I was yeah. like, no, yeah. but second of all, why are you trying to pay someone? But that was her thinking is I, I don't yeah. have a lot of money, but I'm trying to make that higher. Yeah. Well, I can tell you how to do it. One is, I'll start it with, if, if you pay peanuts, you tend to get monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is why I partner in business. That's why the one plus one equals done theory. I partner in business when I know I have somebody who can move the needle. It doesn't mean you got to give the stock right away. They may have to earn it. Whatever the case may be, you can structure the deal creatively, but you're probably going to have to give them a piece of ownership. 
And I'll give you another statistic. 50% of a lot is better than 100% of a little. Mm. So I partner in my businesses. I have a partner in every one of my businesses because I know that there's a key thing that I'm missing and I don't want to be worrying about it at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, which then frees you up to you know, really hone in on what. Yeah. uh, I have a few unique skills that I think I can do at a world-class level. I need to stay focused on those. I love it. It's great advice, man. Now, as we wrap up, what's next for you? I always like to give my guests a few minutes to share like what's top of mind, the big thing you're working on. What what should my listeners do to follow up with you and engage with whatever's next? What I'm always doing is looking for a new profit stream for companies that I currently have. And I'm helping a company do a startup. So I'm always in that entrepreneurial space. Um, I just bought two Super Bowl ads for one of my companies today. That's when you know you're for real. You know you're for real when you went by one Super Bowl ad, they call you because they know you're good for one. And then you say, no, if I prepay, can I get two? So, um, so I, I like business. I, like, I have real companies, brick mortar, you know, pay people every week. I like that. Um, but I'm working on my, my next book right now called Developing the Entrepreneur Within, 365 daily strategies, tactics, and lessons learned. It's going to be really, really good. So wrapping that up, but you can always go to my personal site and get a free book. I have a book on there right now, my first book, Eight Unbreakable Rules for Business Startup Success. It's at seancastrina.com. You can go there, you get a free copy of that. And that, that, you know, that, and then if you want something every day, quick, my podcast, the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast, I interview founders of companies and, or I teach a lesson. Just like if I was at a college where I guess lecture, I, you know, I'll teach about branding and what I pick a lesson. I teach every, you know, near, you know, every other day and I have guests. And so yeah, 10 minute entrepreneur podcast, as well as go to my site, seancastrini.com, get a free book. And of course I'm always on Instagram. If you want to meet me there. Now, Sean, is it painful at all to be paying for a Super Bowl ad that you probably won't see the Redskins in? I've earned 20 years. So I've, that, that's the pain that it's the pain that I have. But um, yeah, the, it's one of those ads that definitely move. It's a regional ad. I will preface it. That's a regional ad, yeah, okay. um, but it, it definitely moves the needle. Okay, cool. Well, Sean, it's been great having you on the podcast today. I appreciate great. it. Thank you very much. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the uh, link to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur down in the episode description below. You got to check this out. I've already checked out a couple of the episodes, including how to kickstart your startup, how to make a great hire, and things like even, you know, bells you must ring to get your investors to pay attention to you. Check that out. I'll also put a link to his website, Sean Castrina, down in the episode description below. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you later. Enjoy your good advice. See ya. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast.